Welcome to ACR Moonshot, the Advanced Cardiac Resuscitation Podcast, where we embrace a bold change in the way that we plan for and respond to sudden cardiac arrest in the pursuit of saving more lives. And now your host, Joe Powell and Billy Croft. Joe, how are you, man? I can see Good. you. <laughs> Good, Billy. Good. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. We are, uh, we're no longer in the same room. Right, but uh, we're we're on different coasts. Kind of looks. Uh, look, I'm looking at you, Joe. You could, hey, <laughs> hey, how are you, Billy? <laughs> it's, wow. it's a, the room. My room is in Illinois. Your room is in California. So, California, yeah, yeah. But we're trying something new here. Uh, we're going to try the video uh, podcast, uh, so you can see what we look like. You know how pretty we are. Pretty, very pretty. Yes, we're super pretty. Uh, we're too <laughs> sexy for this podcast. Look, I'm going to dab. Nice, nice. I think it's this way. I think it's that way. That whatever. Don't don't ask me to do that. Then it won't work. <laughs> so um, we've had a, a a good couple of weeks. We just got back from Boston. That was fun. Yeah, a lot of uh, yeah, fantastic, uh, fantastic time there in Boston. Yeah, we a lot of great information, a lot of great exchanges, um, some amazing work with uh, some of the the PhD researchers there. Uh, just yeah, it was it was really good, really good. What do you think? Yeah, man. Uh, just talking with um, people that smart. I mean, it was <laughs> it was eye opening. Um, I never viewed um, like cardiac arrest that way. I guess. Yeah. You know, um, especially yeah. looking at those pictures of the heart and what the oh, energy yeah. looks like going through the heart when they're in V fib and um, yeah, it was it was like looking at a weather map. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I think we presume that everything. Uh, you know, also when we kind of talked, we talked a little bit about, uh, uh, end tidal CO2 and gas flow and peep and, uh, you know, uh, interthoracic pressure regulation and all that. And, you know, we kind of assume that what we understand in the conscious breathing adult is the same in the, you know, cardiac arrest. And, and, uh, I, I constantly realize that that's not the case, right. That it's a completely different world and we have to continue to look at it in a different way. And I'm sure we'll have some time uh, in a different podcast to go over all that stuff. There's, uh, yeah, really, really enlightening. I see things significantly different than I saw things just a month ago. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool, but what are we going to talk about today? So Billy, I think, you know, we're going to talk about, I think what, uh, and, and let me just, let me just ask you, and we can kind of start there, you know, go, what, what makes a successful ACR agency? What makes an agency that is that is uh, implemented this process and improve their numbers and improve their outcomes? What makes them successful? That's a great question. Um, the first thing that pops into my mind is having that one person, and I like to call them warriors. We used to call them champions. Champions, yeah, right. Yeah, but um, I like warrior. Um, and the people from Carson City Fire, they, they love that term also. We got a bunch of warriors <laughs> over there. Right, um, right. But it takes that one person, that one person that is going to drive the process, that they'll never give up and do this. Um, and I, I have intimate knowledge because I was that person that drove it. Uh, when we decided to go with the ACR uh, method, um, I was the person in training that drove it. Um, did I have, did I have some questions uh, in the beginning? Um, was I unsure? Yes, 
I was that way. But once I got all the information and became educated on the process and what it all meant, uh, then I bought in 100%. And that drove me to drive the process to make it successful. So yeah, it's it's that one person, Joe. And um, you probably have knowledge with that too, or experience with that being out in Rialto and starting it for the first time, you were kind of, you know, in that same boat. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, it does. It, it takes one person that's just as kind of their, their focus and their passion, right? I mean, it, it obviously takes a team and, um, you know, we had a, a lot of great people in Rialto um, <clears throat> and we obviously wouldn't have gotten anywhere without Chief Grayson or without uh, Kevin Dearden and, and them being a huge percentage of that process. But it really does take that, that, that singular focus, that, that, uh, that warrior that, that just keeps pushing things forward and pushing things forward, regardless of the pushback, because, as you know, there's, there's a lot of pushback from a lot of angles and, you know, you have to continue to overcome that, continue to get better, right. Kind of play the infinite game, if you know what I mean. Right. And, and figure out how, how are we going to get here? Right. How are we going to get here? So <clears throat> what do you think? So, so you tell me, what do you, what do you think are the, the character traits of, of, of that warrior champion, what, whatever we're going to call them. Yeah, I, th I think you have to have um, a boatload of confidence, first <laughs> off. Um, and, and for me, you know, when I when we started the process, um, I think it was different because I'd been on the fire department for 24 years. So wow, I, yeah. I, I feel like, um, you know, I was respected among, you know, the, the line personnel. So it, it wasn't... Um, it wasn't a big leap for people to listen to me, but if, you know, if you have someone that never was involved, you know, mm -hmm. in the fire department and all of a sudden they just pop up and say, Hey, I got this great idea. They might have a more difficult time, you know, um, implementing this. I'm not saying that they can't, but you know, usually those people who are, um, you know, driving programs or, or driving a training initiative, they're the ones that, are highly involved in the fire department to begin with. And they have a lot of confidence in their ability and their ability to speak and, and to educate and, and to train. So um, one confidence, um, I think with confidence, you, you got to have a little bit of bravery, you know, with, with, <laughs> with ACR, because remember we are, we are taking 40 years of tradition, right. Of, um, you know, not having very good uh, neurological outcomes, uh, right. 90%. Um, this is the way we've always done it men mentality. So you're, you're, you're going to be coming up against that a lot. Um, so you got to have some bravery to confront that. And it's, and it's not easy. Um, sometimes it gets personal, right? Um, people are going to challenge you on many different levels. Uh, it's, it's, it's hard to change. I, I, I say this when we go out and speak a lot. There's two types of people that don't like to change people who go to church and firefighter paramedics um, for whatever reason, uh, they just don't like change. You know, uh, Billy, let me, uh, let me interrupt you there. You know, I had, I had a mentor that always told me that, um, you know, they always said, look, what is the biggest fear, right? What's the biggest fear of firefighters, of EMS people, paramedics, EMTs? What is their biggest fear? I'm like, oh, uh, you know, getting hurt in a fire, getting, you know, burned, uh, you know, getting injured on a roadside. And he would say, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Their biggest fear is looking incompetent to their peers. 
That's the one thing you've got to spend your career helping people get through that process is that if they're going to innovate, if they're going to change, if they're going to push the envelope, then the fear of looking incompetent to your peers comes, gets very big, very quickly. Right. Oh yeah. I I'm, I'm there right with you. Um, that is for sure. And we saw this process play out obviously. Um, and you have to, um, you know, have some, I, I don't know if it's empathy or yeah, it's probably empathy, you know, for this process. Um, you got to put yourself in, in their shoes when you're, when you're doing uh, this process, because they've only known one way. Um, and it's, it was, you know, the 40 years of, of tradition way uh, of doing it. So you have to be patient with these people and you have to keep coming back to it. You, you can't have a, uh, a command and control type of leadership when you're doing this. Um, hey, this is my way or the highway. You're going to do right. this this way. Um, that will only mo- motivate people to a, a certain point. You have to inspire them uh, in a way where they're going to see what's happening, where you're going to relax those fears for these people. Um, and you have to give them purpose purpose, a lot of purpose. And, and um, I, I speak about this and I know, Joe, you, you like this, you got to find your why in, in yeah. why are we doing yeah. this in the first place? You know, we've been doing it for so long for 40 years at 9%, but it has to change. That's not acceptable. So what is your, why, what is your department's why, you know, I challenge a lot of people, what's your mission statement with your fire department. And that does that line up with, with ACR? And what we're trying to do, you know, our, our uh, mission statement with, with ACR is, you know, embracing bold change in the way that we train and the way that we respond to sudden cardiac arrest, all in a pursuit to save more lives. So, you know, we really hit that hard with our fire department. This is why we're saving more lives neurologically intact. We really, we really got down to the nitty gritty. It wasn't just ROSC right? Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. It's, it's okay to have Ross. You got to have Ross before you have survivability. But, um, you know, we had to explain to them, this is the why behind everything that we're doing. This is why we use mechanical CPR. This is why we're using uh, an ITD. Um, you know, all those things. This is why we delay defibrillation. This is why we're using capnography to do that. Uh, this is why we're delaying epi. And it all pointed back to, hey, we want neurologically intact patients walking out of the hospital. That's the goal. That's why we're here. That is why we're here. So purpose and why were big for us. So, Billy, when we talk about why, um, I agree with you, right? That You really got to look at the purpose and the why. <clears throat> but we have a number of those folks or have had a number of those folks that just are not um, – motivated, right? They're not motivated to make a change. They're not motivated. And after a lot of years of having these discussions um, and training and culture and the process, I, I realized that a significant number of those folks that we would say are not engaged, that maybe you would even think don't care. I would think, and this is how I put it, they've had their why squished. Mm, yeah. Right. They've had their why squished. And so, because People don't live from cardiac arrest. We go do all these cool things, push all these drugs and, you know, put tubes in and you name it. We do all the cool stuff, but they don't live. And so eventually they get their why squished. 
and then they just are not motivated or, you know, and I don't know. What do you think? What do you think about that? Yeah. Uh, we did come across that a lot. Uh, not so much with the younger people, but with the older firefighters, we, mm. we had that issue. Right. Um, so um, I really had to work really hard on uh, establishing trust. Trust mm. is a huge thing. Right. So um, for so long, we've had, hey, this is what you're going to do, this whole command and control kind of mentality, which is it's lived its life. It's done. Right. Um, you're going to do it this way. And this is how you're going to do it. Maybe they taught you how you were going to do it, but they ne never really got down to the why. Hey, this uh -huh. is really why um, you, you saw a select few of people um, that were you know, hard chargers that found out the why on their own uh -huh, and right. educated themselves. You know, we all know those people and you look at them and you're like, wow, that person put together, they're dialed in, right? Um, how do I get that way? Um, but we had to establish trust with, with, our, with our members. And um, once we did that, you know, I, I had to do this not only with, um, you know, with a large group, you know, smaller groups, sometimes I had to approach these people individually and talk mm -hmm. to them one-on-one -on -one to figure out what's going on and be able to listen to what they were saying to me and be able to, um, you know, squish those fears and put trust back into mm -hmm. what they're doing and, and let them know that they bring value to what, what we're doing and we need them in, in this process. Um, so, you know, if, if we continue to do this command and control and we tell people how to do their job or how to do this process, all we're going to get is workers. That's it. We, that they'll, they'll stop there. But if we trust our people in the process and we show them these are the expectations of this, this process and here's how we're going to be accountable to that, people will be inspired. And when you get inspired members of your organization, I mean, the ceiling, it, it's just going to be blown off the roof, basically. And you're going to see unbelievable things. And that's what we see in, in Naperville. We had 15 people walk out of the hospital. I, I was blown away. You know, 21% survivability. You know, um, it's just uh, remarkable. And it's the people. And we continue to support them to trust them. And it's a two-way street, right? Right. We trust them. They have to trust us. A lot of times firefighters don't trust what's happening, right? They, they question it right. all the time, um, you know, for a lot of reasons, right? We, we know all right, the right. reasons. Um, but if you establish that trust with clear expectations of what's happening, because they want to know what's happening, they want to mm -hmm. know exactly what's going on, and then have some kind of accountability tool and I got that from you, Joe. Um, I loved uh, hearing that part when you said, hey, when we brought people in, when we, we looked over case review and, and we were looking at the, the calls and, um, you know, initially when I asked, you know, you asked your crew, hey, did you have any pauses? No, dude. You know, um, that was pretty awesome. And then you look at it and you say, okay, what's this then? But the one thing that you said that stood out to me was it, was, it wasn't punitive. You're just trying to make it better. And it's, it's okay to have those conversations. You're not going to be in trouble for this. We just want to make it better. 
Yeah. Yeah. Better tomorrow, right? Better yeah, tomorrow. Yeah, better tomorrow. For sure. And, uh, yeah. Nothing's, nothing's, nothing is punitive. Nothing's disciplinary, right? But let's just take a look at it, right? Let's look at the at, at, at what happened here. Let's look at how we did and let's be better tomorrow. Um, yeah, nobody uh, nobody in Rialto ever uh, was disciplined for any cardiac arrest survivability with what we used to call it or ACR uh, issues. We were just, you know, I had, I had guys tell me, hey, I got tired of going to your office, right? <laughs> and yeah. having this discussion, right? But, uh, um, but yeah, trusting them uh, and, and them trusting you. I think that's a, that's a big part of it. You know, we used to uh, always say that you better tell the crews what's going on. Cause if not, they'll make it up. Right. Oh, if they, if you don't tell them what's going yeah. on, they're going to make up with what's going on. Right. But so I, uh, I, yeah. I think it's a great accountability tool also. And, and you kind of hit it on it uh, earlier. Um, you know, we have fear of looking incompetent in, in front mm-hmm. of our peers. Right. Um, so when you're sitting down with your crew, and you're looking at this and you're like, oh, that didn't feel very good to see that this pause was happening. I knew exactly what happened. Uh, I'm going to be better next time. Right. For sure. And, that, and you saw that 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 mind uh, shift change uh, with our individuals when we started talking about these calls together and they knew that they weren't going to be in trouble with it. So yeah. um, it, it was just a win win for everybody. Sure. And I, I think that I think the data helps. Right. Because to some extent, when you can put the data up on a screen and say, here it is, right? You know, here's your compression fraction. Here's your ventilatory rate. Here's right. Here's all of this data. Um, you're not saying, hey, guys, you screwed this up, right? You're saying, hey, here's the data. And here's what the data shows. It takes a little bit of the bad guy out of, out of you as a leader or a QI guy, right? It kind of just says, hey, here's the data. How could we do this better? How could we make this better next time? And as opposed to you sitting down and saying, you know, hey, guys, you didn't do a good enough job, right? Um, the data gives you that little bit of a buffer element there as a leader to be able to say, here it is. Let's take a look, right? Yeah, you know, a perfect example of that. Um, uh, a crew had a call. Um, they had back-to-back cardiac arrest, which was oh. crazy, right? So the yeah. first one, um, you know, I was, I was there, actually. I was there on the call. Um, it was a difficult situation. You know, it was involved a vehicle and, you know, the patient was rather large, you know, all these things public, you know, on a public street, <laughs> all this stuff. You know, I looked at the uh, chest compression fraction and we were right around like 80%. Oh, nice. That's nice. You know, but it was the still, you know, what, what do we, what do we look for? We look for 95%, right. Or better uh, chest compression fraction. Yep. Um, the next one, you know, we talked with the crew about that. Say, hey, look, 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 look at this on this call. You know, what can we do better? The ne- the next one we had, we were at ninety eight percent. Wow, ninety eight percent. I mean, it was fresh in their head, obviously, but they really, really, um, you know, that's the priority. We're going to stay on the chest, and that's what we're going to do. So, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, I think when you when you uh, <clears throat> when you look at it, we, we change priorities, right? Priority used to be getting the skills done, right? It's just I got to start an IV and I got to drop a tube and I got to push the drugs, right? Um, and we've changed the priority, uh, which is part of a much larger class. But the priority is compression fraction, time on the chest, right? That is the priority, regardless of the skills that have to be performed. And I think once you start changing that priority, they're like, okay, I get it. Right. This is the number one priority here. 
it's not starting a line or dropping a tube or giving drugs or the, those other things. And so, uh, yeah. And then when you do a media training on, Hey, okay, let, we did a good job. How can we be better tomorrow? How can we better be better on the next cardiac arrest? And that kind of really flows in. Yeah. And I, and I think, um, you know, another trait that you need to have with this is consistency, mm-hmm. right? Consistency with following up, uh, with your crews. It's, it's, I mean, so many times, Joe, and I'm sure you experienced this also, is you get some training on something, the next best thing that's out there, you know, you get a half hour training on it, whatever. And then there's no follow-up on it. I mean, <laughs> you're, you're left with this going, okay, I'm figuring out how am I doing? How are we doing as a fire department? Uh, how am I doing individually with this, yeah. with this new procedure? Um, you know, there's really no consistency. And I, and I feel that's how, you know, either programs or initiatives, they kind of, you know, they peak real quick and then they just, they just die. Yeah. You know, they just, they just fall off. Um, this is a marathon. ACR is a marathon. Uh, we have to have some consistency. If you're going to be that warrior, you're going to have to have consistency in the way you do things. You know, if you say you're going to follow up with these individuals, then follow up with them. Right. Make it consistent um, in, in how we train uh, everything and be reliable. That's another thing, Joe. You have to be reliable when people have questions, okay, you know, specifically in the beginning, you're going to have a lot of people that are unsure and they're going to have a lot of questions. And if you don't know the answer, because there's times I didn't know the answer, right? you know, I had to say, I will get back to you. You better get back to them. (laughs) Right, right. If you don't, you're going to, you're going to squash a lot of stuff. You know, um, you're going to squash their why real quick. If you're starting to build up that trust, you know, and you don't contact them, they're going to say, well, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about my question. I don't care how, um, you know, simplistic or, you know, what, you know, the question is, you better get back to him. How how do you feel about that, Joe? Yeah, I think, and I think we, uh, it's definitely something we could have improved on, you know, in Rialto. Um, you know, was, was that follow through and follow up? We were moving so fast, you know, uh, we were progressing so fast, so quickly that, uh, sometimes the follow up wasn't, wasn't fantastic. And so, um, yeah. And when you talk about, and we were also kind of in a command and control environment, right? I'm an old guy. I grew up in very much a command and control leadership style, right? Do what I tell you and shut up and get it done kind of thing. <laughs> Um, and so I had a little bit of that leadership style, right? Like, Hey, you guys, you know, this is what, this is the way to do it, do it this way. How about I stay? Um, and we had, you know, and, and we had to kind of back off of that and then do a better job of follow-up and do a better job of, as you say, uh, you know, trusting your folks and getting them to trust you. But if, again, like you just said, if you're not following up, then, then that trust erodes quickly. Right. And then the program just, just goes downhill. So. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a constant battle. It it was a constant battle. I remember, um, you know, I, when I was in the training division, um, I would come home at night and I'd be like mentally exhausted (laughs) because, you know, it wasn't like hard work, physical work, but mentally, um, you know, dealing with, with over, you know, 200 firefighter paramedics and all their questions. Mm -hmm. Um, it was, it was draining. Um, you have to have, um, I, I, I think this is an important part too. Um, sometimes you feel like you're doing this alone uh, for, for a warrior, right? But you're going to have to find 
um, those other warriors. It may be people from other fire departments that are doing this. Uh-huh. And you're going to have to have um, that resource to be able to reach out and talk to them about, okay, what did you do here? How did you handle this? You know, get those questions. I know, Joe, I called you multiple times. Right, right. You know, what, what is, what do I do here? What's, you know, this guy has a question about Epi. I have no idea what to, what to tell him, you know, and you sent me literature and, you know, studies and, and all this stuff. So that, that helped out great. So, you know, it's, it's so important to have, you know, um, a resource, you know, multiple people that you can, you know, count on and talk to during this process, because you're going to need it. That's for sure. And I think that's why the consortium is so important. You yeah, know, exactly. People that are there for you, you know, that have been through it, right. That have yeah. been through it, that have done it, that have had the same challenges. Right. Um, you know, we were just uh, on the phone um, just the other day with uh, one of our agencies who had been uh, in the ACR consortium for about a year. <clears throat> and, sort of felt like maybe like, I'm like, okay, what's, what's going on? I'm not getting a lot of communication back and forth. Right. Um, And I realized pretty quickly with our conversation that uh, they were feeling like that after a year, they weren't doing it perfectly. Right. They, they were still, you know, having problems with, you know, equipment and processes and getting all of their folks to do it in a certain order. And, um, you know, and after a, a little bit of a conversation, I started laughing and I'm like, you know, Hey, this, it went exactly the same way for me and Rialto and, uh, you know, and for 10 other departments that I can, I can point you to that this is a, this is a process. This is a marathon, as you put it, Billy, mm-hmm. um, this is not a roll it out, teach it and it'll get done. And just that, Hey, that recognition that, that, uh, that he was in the same boat that we're all in. Right. And trying to move, trying to move that boat forward. And he was just, you know, it was, it was a magical moment. And I think it really, uh, really brought the spark back and the, uh, you know, he didn't, he didn't feel like he was doing a terrible job. Right. He felt like, yeah. okay, you know, I'm part of, I'm part of this process and we're yeah. just going to keep pushing forward. So it's an infinite game, right. As Simon Sinek says, right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Great book, by the way. Yeah. Plug yeah. For Simon Sinek. That's for sure. Um, you know, um, I think too, um, for me and for those people who are thinking about implementing, you know, ACR in their organization, um, you got to believe you have to believe in, in the process. Yeah. Um, and I think I touched on it, you know, and I, t- I tell the story about going to Columbus and, you know, sitting in the back and going, this is, this is witchcraft. I, I don't know what they're, they're trying to tell me. Um, but once I started listening and looking at the data and looking at the science behind everything that they were, you know, Rialto was doing and Joe and, and uh, Chief Grayson, I was, it, it was just like, oh my gosh, we have to do this. And I had 110% buy-in. I had belief in the process. If you don't believe in the process, it's going to be really hard for you to convey that this is the right thing to do. Um, for your organization, they'll, they'll see right through you. If you're not authentic about what you're doing, and if you don't have that passion, I think everybody can agree that when I speak, I speak with a lot of passion when, when yeah, this is, yeah. this is happening um, because it, it matters. It, it, it points right to my purpose and um, my beliefs and values uh, of why I got into the fire service to begin with. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people don't look at that or they, you know, 
a lot of things have happened. And like you said, Joe, it got squished. Yeah. You know? yeah. Um, but we got to be able to find that belief and that, that purpose and that why again um, to make it uh, uh, go forward. So you're going to have to have that, that belief that this does work uh, to I be think, able to convey that. Yeah. I, I, but I, I think, I think we're not asking for blind belief. No. Right. No. For belief in the system, in the process. Um, this is the guy is Marcus Limonis, who uh, uh, the prior of his, uh, the shows that he does, he owns Camping World and some other stuff, right? He will, he will talk about belief in the process, right? Just trust the process, trust the process, but not blind trust, right? Look at the evidence, look at the literature, look at the anatomy and physiology, look at the pressures, right? Look at everything we're doing and then, and then have that belief that this, this process works and we can get you there. So, Most definitely. So, you know, that, that's, you know, if you look at a warrior and you're looking for a warrior to do this, or you're asking yourself, am I the person to do this? I think you got to have confidence. You got to be brave, um, reliable, determined, unrelenting in in the process for sure. Uh, you got to have that purpose in your why, um, um, for sure. Um, you got to have that belief and faith and you, and you got to be authentic and oh, yeah. to be able to, to train that. So those are what I think an ACR warrior should look like. And we all have those in, in our, you know, in our organization to make it go forward. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, I, I don't think we've seen a successful ACR organization that doesn't have a, a champion with a, with a huge percentage of those traits. Yeah. Right? That's willing yeah. To, to push forward. That doesn't mean, I don't think that means that you, are 100% confident all the time that everything you're doing is right. Um, that there isn't periods just like the, the, what we just talked about, right? There isn't periods where you're like, really, am I, is this the right thing to do? Are we really moving it forward to get there? Uh, is my agency able to get there? I have a lot of pushback, you know, all of those doubts are real and they, they are in, intrinsic in all of us. Every warrior out there has those doubts and they fight through them. Right. And they move forward. Totally. I, I, I'm glad you brought that up um, because I think this is another important part of that warrior mindset. You have to be vulnerable. Oh yeah. It's so crazy that you have to, to be this, but when you are vulnerable, you, you are, you know, breaking down your barriers so that other person can see you and they say, okay, this dude is totally legit. I trust him because he is actually telling me something that's very difficult that he may not know something. So yeah. being vulnerable in the process really lets, you know, your organization, the people that you're trying to train, um, you know, shows them that you are human. You're just like them. Yeah. And you're, you know, we're going through this process together. So, you know, vulnerability is, is, is a big part. And I know that's hard for some people because we've got this <laughs> ego thing going and the macho firefighter paramedic and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you know, if you want to trust, and be trusted and you want to inspire people, then you're going to have to be vulnerable to them for sure. Yeah, Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Good discussion, Billy. Fantastic. Yeah, man. So it's always better tomorrow, Joe. That's That's right. We'll be better tomorrow. (laughs) All right, man. Well, it was great talking to you. And of course, if you guys have any questions on, you know, how to roll this out, uh, how do you start, reach out to us. We'll have our contact information in, in our show notes and, um, you know, we got, a, we got a lot of stuff happening. So we're there for you. 
yeah, it's a it's our goal to hit our moonshot, right? And so uh, we we need folks to to help us in that process. We need more numbers. We need more people thinking outside the box. We need people questioning what we're doing, right? Mm-hmm. And saying, hey, there's a better way to do it, so that we can we can get to our moonshot in 2030. Yeah, man. All right, my friend. Well, great talking to you, Joe. I'll see you next week. All right, see you next week. Have a great one. All right, buddy. Bye. All right, bye bye. <laughs> This podcast and its postings are for general informational purposes only and do not constitute the practice of medicine, medical direction, medical oversight, or medical advice. No doctor-patient or doctor-healthcare provider relationship is formed. This podcast and advanced cardiac resuscitation are not a substitute for any local, state, or federal policies, protocols, or treatment guidelines. The views and opinions of the hosts and the guests of this podcast are their own and do not necessarily reflect the view or policy of advanced cardiac resuscitation, its officers, members, or member agencies. Reference to any specific product or entity does not constitute an endorsement or recommendation by advanced cardiac resuscitation. Thank you for listening to ACR Moonshot, the Advanced Cardiac Resuscitation Podcast.